What good is the church? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I think this is a very important question. I'm lucky enough to be part of a church that believes that the church is meant to be a blessing to her neighbors and to the world. We really want to be that kind of church. We're just followers of Jesus who are surprised by his grace and his love for us. So it's our desire to be instruments of that grace and love as we go about our everyday lives. This is our first season of our podcast. It's designed for our church, but we hope it'll be a blessing to others as well. This series of messages lays out the foundations of our sense of where God is leading us as we enter into a new season of ministry. This week, our commissioned lay pastor, Dr. Mark Smith, will share his perspective on what it means to be gathered and then sent with an Old Testament character named Caleb. Enjoy. I hope you were here last week to hear Chad tell us the story of the reluctant prophet, Jonah, who in spite of his godly name, got it all wrong. He did not want to leave the community where he lived. He resisted God. He disobeyed God. And then when he finally obeyed God, he got angry because of God's own graciousness. We learned that the story of Jonah is satire designed to show us our own weaknesses and disobedience. And we can laugh at Jonas's inept following or not following God's plan for him. There's another type of literature in the Bible, not satire, but simple history. These historical stories teach us not by bad examples like Jonah, but by showing us heroes of the faith. These are not perfect people, but these are people who stood up and tried to do the right thing at the right time. The Bible is full of stories of people like that. Many styles of stories that show us what God is like and what we are like. The worst and the best. This morning I want to introduce you to a man that you may have heard of before, but perhaps you do not know his whole story. Caleb is our hero. And Caleb was one of the people who had been in the Exodus, leaving from Egypt with Moses, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, waiting to get to the land that promised that had been promised to Abraham so many centuries before. When the Israelites approached the promised land, they stopped at the River Jordan, and Moses sent out scouts, spies, to investigate and evaluate the land to check out its vulnerability to their invasion. Look down and listen to the instructions that the scouts were given. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage, Moses told them. A few verses later, we hear the report from the scouts and their recommendations about how to proceed to the promised land. Listen to their account. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. So we see that of the 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb felt confident and bold enough, based on their faith, to recommend that the taking of the land was the right thing to do. We later find that Caleb was about 40 years old at this time. So he had lived his entire life wandering in the wilderness with Moses and the people. He was ready to move on to the promised land. 
The history later tells us that they did take the land, they farmed it, they inhabited in it, and they thrived in the promised land. Joshua and Jacob's optimism were validated and rewarded. We now fast forward in the story to the people of Israel in the promised land, a whole generation later. We re-encounter Caleb, who has returned to his friend Joshua, who's now an elder statesman among the people. Listen to Caleb's request to Joshua. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now then, just as the Lord had promised, this is Caleb still speaking, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Caleb had lived in the promised land. He had been successful and productive and fruitful. But he sensed that there was more. He sensed that there was a higher ground. There are even more blessings to be had. Caleb knew that God prepared higher ground for his people. Land even more rich in milk and honey. Because Caleb had been faithful, he was bold to ask for God's best, the high ground. He went to his friend Joshua and made his plea. Caleb said, I see that there is more even than the promised land. In spite of the satisfaction of the promised land and how well it has served us, Caleb said, there's more. The best is yet to come. And so Caleb confidently asked for and received the high ground from Hebron around Hebron, even more fertile and productive and valuable than the land he'd received 40 years before. Caleb could see the high ground, and he courageously went for it. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to Caleb in a minute. I want to show you something that we found when we were cleaning out the church for our renovations. This came from the library. Patsy Clegg and her team were in there digging around, and they found all kinds of things that had been put aside or hidden away for a long period of time. And they found this Bible, and Patsy brought it to me because she said, we shouldn't throw this away. And I looked on the front page of it. It is a Bible that's inscribed uh, and dedicated to Pastor Lorimar and his wife. It's dated September 1967, and it says, The Humble Presbyterian Church. Turns out there was an Humble Presbyterian Church that was formed in the 60s. They met originally down on, on Will Clayton Boulevard in a, a motel, and they actually went later on and they rented some space in an office building. And eventually they bought an office building and renovated, turned it into a church. And from there, they decided to look out and see what else there was. At that time, in the 60s, Humble Kingwood, Atascacita was out in the country. This was the frontier. People came out here from Houston to hunt and to fish because it was out in the wilderness. There were no streets. There was nothing but nature. But the people that were starting the church in Humble, they looked at this area. To them, it looked like the promised land. They could see in their minds Houston growing out into this part of the country. They could see communities, churches, schools. They could see it in their minds. They had a vision. To them, it was the promised land. And they prepared and they worked to get to it. They invested their time and their resources to make the first church in Humble Startup, and then later a church in Atascacita, and finally this church in the early 1980s. They were the Caleb's and the Joshua's of their time. And their courage and their, their 
faithfulness benefited them and now benefits us. They took the promised land and here we are a generation later, our benef- their, their beneficiaries. So I believe that we are living right now in the promised land. This is it. It's wonderful as we are blessed. And now I wonder like Caleb, do we need to look beyond our walls, beyond the promised land that others prepared for us and brought to us in which we prosper? Do we need to look and see if there's higher ground? If there is more, are we called to go and take it ourselves and take our faith to places that are higher? I suggest to you this morning that this is what our concept of being gathered and sent is all about. We gather in this church. We study, we learn, we worship, we grow in fellowship. But taking this learning and taking this growth and taking this fellowship to live a life of Christianity outside of these walls is being sent. There's a higher ground and that's the ground to which we are sent. It's a higher ground that we don't inhabit right now, but that God has created and is out there ready for us to explore. We have already, of course, in our church done that for almost a generation now. We're very deliberate about setting aside resources and time and effort to go out into the world. But this is a curious time in the life of our church, this time right now. It's a time when our church family is taking a step back and reflecting. Where do we go from here? What are our priorities going to be? Where is it that God is calling us to serve his people? If we simply gather in this church, if we only live and love and worship in this place, but we never leave this place, we're never sent into God's world outside of this place, we have failed to reach our higher ground. Jesus talks about this. He calls it abundant life. It's the difference between being a conventional standard Christian person and being one whose life is full and complete, who lives on higher ground. Being sent from our church is what's called a missional life. What is that? What is a missional life? Chad described it last week. It's a life where your faith and what you believe are front and center as you leave these walls. Living a missional life is knowing what God has called you to do, being sent into the world so that we can insert our faith into conversations that we have in our family, in our community, in our world. So how do cautious, upright, anxious Presbyterians go for the higher ground? As usual, we are in luck. Scripture tells us exactly how it's done. Listen to this scripture that reflects how Jesus sent his disciples into the world to take the good news to people who are already prepared to hear the gospel. This is from Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals. And don't greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it'll return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Do you hear the instructions? Scripture tells us that the harvest is plenty. There is much work to be done outside of these walls. 
God has prepared people's hearts in all parts of this world, ready to hear his good news. And you are the worker who is called to take it. Let's look at what those instructions tell us today. What does it look like in Kingwood in 2020 for God's people to take the high ground? What are our instructions to be sent from this promised land in which we live? Looks like this. You will not need to speak a foreign language. You will not need to have lots of money. You will not need to travel around the world. You will not need to be in great physical shape, thanks be to God. You will not need to be retired. You will not need to have a specific skill set. You will need a servant's heart. You will need, on occasion, to put yourself second and others first. You will need to be willing to stretch your life a little bit. You will need to be willing to meet God's people where they are. At this point in the morning, Chad would stop and say, well, so what? And here's the so what. Our church family has a history of being bold to take high ground. We have over the years discovered many ways to be sent from this church into God's world seeking out where God is already at work. We have dozens of ministries in this church, some designed to help us to gather and some designed to help us to be sent. These ministries are already up and running and ready for new recruits at all times. But I think we have a great opportunity in the future for our church family. Where else might we go from here? I'd like you to look on the back of the bulletin cover today. I've given you a list of some of the examples of the ministries in our church. You can see it's just a small sample, a smattering of the, of the ministries that we actually have now. But it's designed to give you an understanding of the scope and the style and the possibilities of being sent from this church. There are ministries 3,000 miles away. There are ministries five minutes from our church. There are ministries where you sleep on the floor. There are ministries where you sleep at home. Notice at the bottom that there are two new ministries that are a little bit vague in their description. The first one is a ministry that someone in this church, a covenant partner in our family, has already felt called to do. They've seen a hole in God's family around the world. They've seen a place to be sent, and they feel God calling them to do it. They've gathered with themselves three or four or five other people who have a similar passion for it, and now they're putting together a ministry team. And I can tell you, I've had the experience three times in the last couple of months of that exact thing happening in our church. That is the way our new ministry team structure is set up. You come to the ministry team uh, group at the, at the uh, church office, the administration, you tell us about your ideas, and then we see how we can make them come to life. That is already happening. What is the next thing, the last item on that list of ministries? That's the one that you are called to do. That's the one where God is gonna open your eyes to a ministry or mission that is ready to be taken on by our church family. That is the place where you are gonna seek out three or four or five other people who have a similar passion and come to us with an idea for a ministry team. God shows you the needs of his people and your heart will be called to serve, and from there you will go to high ground. For the last few weeks, you've heard Chad and Sabrina talking about our new vision for the church family as we go forward this year. We've heard about our church being gathered and sent. You remember that we described our church as a place where we gather. We gather to worship and to learn and to grow. We gather to enjoy each other's friendship and see how God has blessed us and designed us to live in his kingdom. And we began last week to talk about being sent from our church. Remember what we heard, being called to faith, 
being called to this church family, it's a gracious invitation. Jesus says, come, follow me. But after we accept this gift of faith, after we join this church family, from there on out, it is not an invitation, it's a command. Jesus says, go, make disciples. This church is a wonderful place, it's beautiful. Not because of its physical trappings, but because of the beauty of the people who gather here in God's family. But there's more. There's a world out there, a world in which we live and love our family, our community, and in which we can explore the rest of God's creation. We are designed not only to gather as God's people, to be sent into his world. I suggest to you that over the next few weeks and months and even years, God will place in front of you multiple opportunities, either to join a ministry or mission that is already functioning in our church, or being called to initiate and grow a new ministry. Be certain that our church loves new initiatives. We will gladly consider what you have in mind. Friends, we live in the promised land. This is it, we're here, it's ours. We have been blessed with all the milk and honey that anyone could ever need. We've taken the promised land and now it's time to take the high ground. We've been gathered in the church, a church that we love, a church family that we treasure. But now it's time to be sent, to seek the high ground that God has prepared for us. Let's pray. Father God, we pray to have the courage and boldness of Caleb and of those who had a vision for your church here in Kingwood 50 years ago. Lead us to gather at your church, to learn, to grow, to love each other, and to become your faithful disciples. And then equip us with your spirit, ready to be sent from this place, sent to higher ground, sent to make disciples of all people, teaching them what you have commanded us. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at www.fpc-kingwood.org. Our services are available on our website. You can also follow us on Facebook and find us on Instagram at fpc underscore kingwood. We'll see you next time.